Welcome to part two of HealthSystemCIO.com's panel discussion on women in IT leadership. In this segment, CIOs Sarah Richardson, Tressa Springman, and Julie Bonello talk about why it's critical for leaders to set the right example in achieving a healthy work-life balance, the lessons both male and female leaders can glean from a recent study on gender stereotypes, and how leaders can work to create safe places for important discussions. This podcast is sponsored by Optum, solving real problems and creating practical solutions today using the latest in healthcare technology, such as blockchain, AI, and advanced analytics. See how Optum can make your digital transformation easier at optum.com CIO. Yeah, that's a really good point that you brought up. Men as well, when they have either a parent or a child and they have to leave work at a certain time, that nobody wants to feel like they're falling behind. They want to know that you know, they're supported as long as they're doing their best job when they are at work. Well, and Kate, you bring up a great point, and that's that because technology has come so far, we have multiple states where teammates live. And when we have accommodations, it's like if someone needs to work from home or go home and take care of something and get online later to do project updates or status or whatever, I mean, that level of availability has been kind of a blessing and a curse because while you have the flexibility to take care of other things in your life, there's always that expectation of being, quote, unquote, always on. Right. And that's why when you talk about work-life balance, I tell my team, and I, I do it pretty succinctly, is when I take a week off or PTO to go on vacation, I do not get online. Sometimes I can't because I like to scuba dive. I'm on a boat in the middle of the ocean, and that's okay. kind of the plan. But if I am on PTO, I tell them, you will not hear from me. Yeah. And they actually love it because it gives them a chance to, like, shine and do their thing. But the hardest part was me having the discipline not to do it. And now that I know it, I actually look forward to it because, like, I unplugged from the entire world. Literally, just because just you have technology doesn't mean you should always use it. It's good that you're setting that example because sometimes I think people almost need permission to see that, okay, you know, if this person actually does stay out of pocket, it kind of gives them permission to do the same. Yeah, and I learned it from Noel Williams, who was the CIO at HCA for a long time, and she's like, if I, can, if I can go offline for a week, you guys can too. And so we were like, yeah. good point. And so when it sets from the top and you follow it, then it really does resonate across multiple, you know, years and obviously organizations later. Right. Now, when you look at the leadership traits in men versus women, this is something where I, I really don't want to talk about stereotypes, but there are differences sometimes in the way that we are. And does it bother you or just is something you try to embrace? I don't know who wants to start with this one. It's kind of a big one. I'll jump in. I want to embrace it. I think often in our companies we lack the breadth of perspective of women. The more perspective we have, uh, diversity, um, it allows us to understand more and really make better informed decisions and develop more successful teams. So I don't think that women are all that different with leadership positions or with their styles, but I think they have perhaps different perspectives, and I think maybe they've had to hone those perspectives to actually just get on the ladder over time. And so I I really hope that the perspective of women can uh, be broadened as more women get in influential leadership positions. I think that balance is really very important. Yeah. 
Anyone else like to? Yeah, I'll, I'll hop in on that. You know, I, I really like that response. I think it's very balanced. And I tend to think that there are definitely differences in leadership style. I really kind of got one of those hit-in-the-head moments when I was reading a Harvard Business Review article that came out April or May of this year, and it's called What Most People Get Wrong About Men and Women. Hmm. And what they state is that there is this assumed set of differences, you know, that people glom onto that explains women's, quote, failure to achieve parity with men in leadership about negotiating poorly, lacking confidence, not being risk averse, not putting in our requisite hours at work because of our, our family versus our career values. And this article really surfaced that science and the evidence actually does not support this. And in fact, there is much less variation in these areas than, than what all the stereotypes that examples keep reinforcing. What is interesting is that it's the workplace and the setting differences and the way we have to behave that has created um, different visibility about our behaviors. So it's not about core competency. It's about the manifestation of the core competency based on the influences of the environment that we're in. And so that just kind of hit me between the eyes and really challenged me to make sure as a leader that if in fact the data is supportive in this area, that leaders have a real commitment to focusing on the environment and make sure that there is safety and that we, we ourselves aren't reinforcing these beliefs that in fact it seems science doesn't even support. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, that's fantastic perspective because I think about the fact that I've essentially always been who I am. Of course, I, you learn, you grow, you change, you do all these different things, but we really intrinsically are who we are. And in some cases, my, whether it's personality, style, approach, et cetera, has been really successful in some organizations. In other organizations, it's been a horrible fit, and I realized that no level of adaptation would probably change that. So I always think about that cultural aspect. And you pointed out that you could have all the right skill sets in the world, but if you really don't fit in, whether it's men, women, or otherwise, then that level of personality and acceptance is really not going to be there. And that's what it all comes down to. And the smartest and most capable person for a role has to be the right cultural fit too. Now, I, I do want to be clear. The article does say that these stereotypes have occurred because over time the majority of work environments do treat a woman differently when she takes time to handle a family situation than a man. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to point out that maybe, and sadly, it's as much uh, a nurture as a a nature factor here. Yeah. Or maybe we don't have enough females in uh, influential leadership positions to have balanced that out over time, you know, within company cultures. Yeah, certainly possible. And you do wonder what factors are involved. I had a manager a couple of years back. She would say to me, she had risen up really quickly through the ranks, but she would said to me that there was always this expectation among her male colleagues that she would have this nurturing personality, and she didn't. But she was a fantastic mentor to me because she was just like such a straight shooter, 
there was one time I remember we were in a staff meeting and she, she pulled me aside afterwards and said, listen, I want you to speak up more. I was new, you know, I was a little bit more in the background and she was the one who kind of gave me that push and I, I really appreciated it. So there's different ways of leading and it certainly doesn't have to be one way or another. And that brings me to a point about mentoring which uh, is, is a topic I definitely want to get into as far as the mentoring that you do and also if there were people who really been uh, influential in your career. And Sarah, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, thank you. I will start by saying I was really fortunate in that my very first professional job, I had a phenomenal mentor who essentially took me with her uh, to three different organizations. It was back in the 90s when Las Vegas was opening casinos every year or more and I was in the hotel casino business. And so I learned really how to make it at an early age from someone who had already been through a lot of the things that you face as a young female professional. And I always asked her, I said, how can I be like more like you? Or what do you think is the most important way that I could ever honor what you have taught me over the years? And she says, do for others what I have done for you. Hmm. And that's always stayed with me. And, and it, sometimes it's female leaders and it can be male leaders as well in our organization. I feel like you get to a point in your career where your biggest and greatest responsibility is to shape the success of others and to give back to others while you're, of course, also learning. But the majority of my time now when I think about being a mentor is helping people not to make maybe some of the mistakes that I did, but also ensuring that they know that they're not alone on their journey and having a place where even if they report to you, they can come to you and have a a mentee-mentor conversation that is in a safe place. And it can be everything from, gosh, I might be looking for a different role or, hey, I'm scared of this new opportunity. I'm not sure what to do with it, et cetera. But you create an opportunity where people have a place to go to ask important questions and, um, and learn and feel like they can not be worried about you judging them because of the types of things that you may, they may be asking you. Right. I'll offer a bit of a different perspective, and that is I would encourage people to – select a variety of mentors at different stages, just because no one's perfect, right? And being able to pick up a specific characteristic from a person that you admire might not mean that there are other characteristics that have value. I also think for women and men, and I encourage it for both and hope we have some males in the audience, is that you have mentors of both genders. Probably the mentor that opened the most doors for me was an old school CFO from Jersey, There are many studies out there that show that females, some reasons that we don't get these opportunities is that we haven't been embedded in these social networks Mm. that men have. And, you know, Eric just always, whether it was on a golf course or in a boardroom, when an opportunity came forward that he thought um, would broaden my skills, he advanced that. And in many of those environments, they were in a setting that I wouldn't have otherwise been involved in. And so being the mentee, I would encourage people to find mentors of various genders and types and the same in terms of mentoring. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but we as female leaders have to be incredibly careful that we create a safe environment for our male managers to feel comfortable mentoring females. 
they are so on the defensive right now that these opportunities and settings that perhaps they may have access to, we are further disadvantaging ourselves in being able and being invited into those settings because of a lot of the rhetoric that's out there. So I think we have a great leadership role here to provide safety. I know, frankly, the majority of the people who work for me are men, and it is such a commitment on my part to make sure that I'm encouraging them to have those crucial and even delicate conversations and mentoring conversations with with all their staff, irrespective of gender. But we just need to be cautious about the environment that, that we're in right now, for sure. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.